Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. I don't think it's a horrible trait, but uh, my partner, Vanessa, Van- Vanessa, what do you think is happening with me? Because uh, I, uh, okay, I'm being dead serious. So um, I, I, have a li- I, I have a lisp now. It came out of nowhere. What do you think is happening with me? I, have, I straight up have a lisp. I think you're aging. So does having a lisp have to do with aging? When you age, do you have a lisp? <laughs> maybe, maybe you're just like losing your, losing your language. I'm not sure. Oh my God. I have a lisp and uh, it's, it's terrifying. Um, I have Vanessa for a few seconds. And so I wanted to pull her into this episode. Um, oh, the horrible habit I was talking about was shoving a microphone in her face uh, at random times. Always. Uh, always, like now. Um, it is better than shoving something else in your face. Too early? Okay. Um, 2023, I want to ask you, as we move into 24, what are some of your lessons? What are some of your learnings? What are your, what are your thoughts on the year? Um, for me, 23 wasn't a good year. Mm. Uh, 23, by the way, was- it's a lot of work. F- What's that? It's a lot of work. You know, I've been, I, I feel very, 23 was a year of me um, being kind of led onto things, being disappointed by some career stuff. Um, a lot of, I felt like a lot, like a hamster in a, uh, in a hamster wheel, a lot of energy, not a lot of, um, and, and I also feel like 2023 is officially the year that the world knows shit's expensive, <laughs> like legit expensive. Like you can't go out and, uh, you know, with three people and spend less than a hundred dollars on a meal. Uh, coffee is $9 now. Uh, even fast food, there, there's no like $20 anything. Yeah. There's nothing right? under 20 anymore. You leave the house and you spend a hundred bucks and 2023 has been just, um, I think the year that people have now come out of denial and realized, holy shit, it is expensive to live, especially if you live in a big city. Well, I don't think it's, they've come out of denial. I think it's, it's hit its peak. Yes. I think it's been climbing. I think this year has been the year that it's been the worst. It's been the hardest. I mean, and it's not even, you know, people might say, oh, it's political. It's actually not only in the sense that like it's happening everywhere. Like I have friends in multiple countries in Europe that are experiencing the same thing. I have friends in South America that are experiencing the same thing. Like I've, I've talked to people in communities where it's not just like LA or it's not just an American, you know, US problem. Whatever's happening right now, like globally, People are fucking struggling. It's expensive. Yeah. It's exp- I don't know how people are living. I, I really don't. You know, Los Angeles used to be the place that artists come mm-hmm. to um, act and just, you know, and they're like waiting on tables and they're kind of hustling and stuff. And, and I don't even know if that's possible anymore. You know, to have a six-figure job, which used to be, oh, that's successful. Yeah. To, to, to These days, that's not even, that's like. It's barely enough to afford a studio apartment anymore. Yes, yes. So. Mm. Uh, anyway, so 2023 uh, for you, any uh, life revelations looking back, any reflections? I think that 23 was in many ways a lot of internal work. I actually feel really proud of my 2023 only because I actually feel like this year 
and it compounds. I mean, I feel like every year builds on the next year prior, but I feel like 23 was a year for me that I had more growth actually become tangible, more emotional growth and inner growth and inner work actual like become part of habit and behavior mm. and not just like theory and in my head and working with a therapist, but mm. actually like it showed in my life. Can you give me some examples? Because I don't, I haven't noticed any yet. <laughs> just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you mean like a uh, writing routine? You know, one of the great things no. that happened for you was you sold a book. <laughs> no, I don't mean writing routine, actually. That okay. has not happened yet. You did Hopefully sell a book. You, you sold your first on your own book yes. in 2023 called The Motherhood Myth. Yes. yes. And that was that was a big one. But no, I mean, I think from my the tangible behavior, I would say in a lot of ways, there was a lot of moments where I – I'm trying to think about how to say this succinctly. So like an example um, – Speaking up and communicating a need, yeah, right, yeah. as just like one example. Yeah, that I felt <laughs> something I've always struggled <laughs> that with. I felt yes, um, and I think that in a lot of ways, this year was the year that it came to fruition a few times. Like, like all of the work that I've done mm. in my forty, almost forty years on this planet, it feels like now things are starting to click. And I will say that it, it goes hand in hand with the work around feeling more secure in myself, capital S, self, meaning I, I care less about what other people think. I'm not acting in certain ways to please people or to keep people or to you know um, placate people or all the things that I used to do. I mean, of course, that still shows up. I, I'm sure it'll be a struggle of mine until the day I die. But it feels like this last year for the first time ever, um, there's just been some shifting. Like There's been a real release and a real acceptance of like, uh, the chips are going to fall where they will. How much of that has to do with um, the community that you help, the conversations that you're surrounded by? Uh, a lot. Yeah, sure. Because you have mostly women, a lot of women who are um, trying to get where you are or have been in um, things where they were muted, voices weren't heard, they're just white knuckling life, they're unhappy in relationships. So you're meeting a lot of women in uh, safe spaces to have these conversations. So I'm assuming that definitely would, would remind you of your own life, right? Yeah, it's fuel for the fire. I mean, you've said it before, but as therapists, you know, we are constantly in evolution with our clients. Like, you know, I come out of a client session where a client had a revelation and we worked through something you know, crazy. And it's like this big explosion. And then it stirs something in me. And so then there's like a, it's like a, a catalyst for my growth as well. Right. Not in like a selfish way, like the therapist is making it about themselves. But when you are working in deep ways with somebody else, it would be impossible for that not to also be a catalyst for your own change and evolution. And so I think this last year on a global scale and in the communities that I'm a part of, the conversations that women are having and also that men are having too um, are empowering and they're changing and they're shifting and the landscape is shifting in romantic relationships and this concept of like decentering romantic relationships and women not placing all of their eggs in the basket of being chosen. And there's just so many of these topics that are being talked about and it's it's enlivening and it's, you know, very passion fueled. Um and it's been a lot of, I think, fuel for my own, like, oh, I'm not just going to talk the talk. Like, I have to walk the walk, too. And, um, and I have a daughter, and that, that was a huge catalyst as well. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I just – I guess all that to say, like, I feel proud of myself for how I have shown up this year 
in multiple relational um, moments, whether mm. that's with you, whether that's with friends, whether that's with my family. Um, I just, I feel, I feel proud of my, obviously there's always work to be done, but I, I do feel proud of myself this year. Good. And you know, what's, what's, um, hard for me, I don't even know if the word's hard is, uh, so now we have someone who not only, uh, have thought about drawing lines, but now executing. And since, um, I am her partner and I'm constantly, you know, in, in her life, uh, of course, that means that it's going to ripple uh, in, in, into our relationship. So her drawing lines in our relationship. So there's a part of me that, of course, is like, you know, this isn't fair. Why are you drawing this line? This, this is a different per, you know, part of you, whatever. And then there's another part of me, which is um, the, the one that I think is the one to feed, where um, it's my job to support that or it's my job to um, make her feel safe to champion her story, right? That those, those lines, um, even with me, um, should be drawn if that's her truth and for me to, uh, accept and respect and, and to hold that. I mean, that's, that's what's going to make her feel closer to me. Um, and then me working through my own stuff, uh, as far as, you know, what, what comes up because of that choice. Yeah, I think it's important for us in romantic partnership to champion, like you said, champion the other person's story and support that person in becoming and being the best, most brightest, most secure version of themselves, even if that puts strain on us, right? Well, not that's only to love somebody more than yourself, basically. Not only uh, if that puts strain on us, but even if because of that, the relationship the container doesn't work out. Sure, the container changes, right? Yeah, and this is what it, what's hard for people to hear because they're like, "What? What do you mean?" Well, um, putting your partner's story and uh, their evolution, their trajectory, that wasn't, um, that wasn't a lisp. That's just, I just don't know how to pronounce words. <laughs> There's two things happening, lisping and not being able to pronounce words. Um, trajectory. There you go. Putting that above one's own uh, comfort. comfort, needs, et cetera, is, I would say, very rare. Mm. I mean, shit. Who do you know that has done that? A couple of people. I mean, think about very, family member too. Not very just small. Mm -hmm. Like, who has done that for you? I'm, I'm trying to think who. So the people who have done that for me usually have done it be, because they're compromising something in them. That right. Because they're afraid it. I'm going to leave them. Mm -hmm, that's it. Sure. So, um, that is a very rare thing, and it's. I mean, it's like the most giving thing. Right. Um, most people. It's giving to yourself too. I think that's an important point as well. Like, if you. Well, well, but, but what if you're losing the relationship or the marriage or the friendship or the, you know, something huge because of it? Right. But if you have to keep somebody in a smaller box in order for you to maintain the attachment, that's not good for you either. Because now you're in partnership or relationship to somebody who is keeping themselves small and inauthentic in order for you to stay comfortable. And like, you shouldn't want that either, right? Like you should essentially want somebody who loves you in their fullest expression of themselves, not somebody who can only love you when they're making themselves smaller, because that's not true love for you either. So ultimately it pays both people forward 
to allow for that, right? And to not use fear as the kind of viewpoint that we're looking at relationships through, like fear of loss of attachment, right? Many people, many people go through relationships because they can't do this. So what happens is um, they they find people they have chemistry with, it's comfortable. One person starts kind of growing, the other person doesn't. So it doesn't work for the person not growing. And then they find someone else kind of where they're at in their life. And so um, just faces keep changing, mm-hmm. right? Um, to actually sit with and grow, grow together with someone, the world has painted as easy and romantic and organic, and that's not true. Mm-mm. And so a lot of times when I say that relationships are hard, I get a lot of side eyes. I get a lot of, oh, well, then why are you in it? It shouldn't be that hard. Um, I don't know if it should or shouldn't. I just know that um, if relationships aren't difficult as far as um, activating and forcing you to work on um, your own stuff, then what's the point? <laughs> it's not that what's the point. You're, you're not going to get to what I call the higher nodes. You're not going to get to uh, building something that um, is greater than yourselves. You know, Then you're just going to be in something that feels really good but isn't uh, lasting. There's no legacy. There's no, um, you're just in something that feels good until it doesn't feel good. I was, I'm laughing because I was thinking about an example. I was talking to a friend on the phone and I was saying how there was something that had happened with us and between us and whatever. And and I was- You and I or you and her? No, no, you and I. And I was saying how maybe this is just kind of my like sick obsession with psychology. Clearly, I'm a therapist. I'm obsessed with all things psychology. And you are very sick. And how and how the world works and why we do the things they do. But I said, I think most people would have an instance like this or an experience like this, and there would be anger and jealousy and all of these things. And they'd be like, fuck it, throw their hands up. Either this experience isn't for me or this person isn't for me or whatever. Right. And I said, and instead of that, when I was in the midst of it, of course I was feeling it and I was angry and I was jealous and whatever, but I actually, my mind immediately went to like, ooh, anger. This is interesting. Like oh. activation. Let's go deeper. Like, well, well, because you're not the one that has to work through it. <laughs> no, I was. I'm saying me. I was angry. Oh, I was whatever. Oh, and instead okay. of most people being like, let me get rid of this anger as soon as possible. And what do I need to do to do that? And some people might say, get mm. rid of the relationship. Get rid of the, the thing that's activating mm. the anger. I felt the opposite. Of course, I was angry, but I was also in the midst of my anger being like, ooh, this is fascinating. Like, let's go deeper. And they laughed because they were like, yeah, you you actually really are sick. (laughs) Like joking because I was like, this must be that therapist in me that's like, oh, this is so exciting. Let's go deeper in the exploration of being a human. And I think a lot of people would do the opposite. Well, let me tighten the vice a little bit. Now, do you take those revelations and your curiousness about anger and why you're angry and express it with me or not? You don't want to. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that, the thing that I'm thinking about in particular, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we've talked about it. That I think really, so that's, that element is underestimated, meaning Mm. that makes people feel really close. Like taking it and then taking it back to the person. Yes. So if you took that to me and instead of saying, this is the reason why I'm fucking angry at you, that's the the usual way people (laughs) approach it. But if you're like, Hey, what you did made me very angry. And then I became, um, uh, curious uh, and obsessed. Curious about mm-hmm. it and a mad scientist about it. And here's what I learned about myself. Mm-hmm. That would make me feel closer to you. Yeah. And I think that through this specific example that I'm thinking of, I actually think we did have multiple conversations where I thought, where I said, like, 
this is something I realized about myself that I never realized about myself or something I've discovered about myself mm. that I never did because I'd never had this kind of activation presented to me in this way where I was like, oh, let me dig deeper, right? And so, yeah, I mean, I think it was fodder for growth for us too. Um, but anyway, I think my my laughing at it was just funny because I was thinking about my friend being like, yeah, you're kind of crazy. <laughs> I mean, being like, maybe. <laughs> so when Vanessa says fodder, that's how I say father. Fodder. Fodder? Yes. Um, do you remember what that was or no? Um, yeah, but I don't know if we're going to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she ever told me. Well, that's pretty big for 2023. Uh, you realizing that uh, you're not living in theory anymore, but there, uh, but actually applying things to your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's scary because I hear you say that, and um, of course, I I want to champion your story, your evolution. That's a pivotal point in your story. Um, and and you know, sometimes when we do this, we lose a lot of people around us, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then there's this there's this side of me that is you know. Why me? Mm. Why, why do I have to be your partner when you're going through this growth? Why couldn't it be someone else? You know, that, that stuff. Um, and of course, then it's my job to look at that and where that's coming from. And of course, that's coming from um, um, fear, mm -hmm. coming from um, losing control. Mm -hmm. It's coming from me not having things my way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's coming from, from all of that. So. Mm -hmm. Um, when are you going to draw the line with uh, wearing heavy glasses? I don't know, but I'm going to take them off because they hurt. <laughs> no, you should put them on because they look amazing. They but do they're, look good. They're like God, a pound and a half. Um, painful. They put dents in her eyes. Oh, God. But I love the color, and I, I think you should actually wear them Fashion more. Fashion is pain, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so doing the work is putting them back on. <laughs> I just put them on for a while. That's enough. Okay, we're just going to go through a couple of these because Vanessa has to go. Mm -hmm. And um, this is... The, this, is, um, this is um, 15 shares by people on why they cheated. And this is an article from The Good Men. So it's really interesting. because You can also – I can do a couple with you and then I can pause out and you can yeah, finish I your can conversation finish. Um, with your people. So number one, the accused becomes the culprit. The accused becomes the culprit. Okay. I cheated in a long-distance relationship Long-term relationship, LTR. Oh, get, get with the lingo, yeah, John. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was constantly being accused of it oh, and constantly it. defending myself and trying to prove my fidelity. And when the chance came, I cheated. So, But wait, read that last part. That's important. When the I, chance came to cheat, I thought, well, I'm already being punished for nothing. Might well I anyway. might as well do it anyway. Because right. that's an important piece. I, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't know this was common, but I could see the, I could I, totally I, see it. I could see it. Have, oh, you keep calling me a cheater. I didn't cheat. Oh, you keep calling. Okay. Well, I'm going to fucking cheat then. But I see this. I used to talk about this with the parents when I would work with a lot of adolescents, this exact same thing. I would say to parents, what you don't understand about the human psyche is at some point we will live up to what you think we are. Mm. So, so like if you say, stop doing drugs. Oh no. If you say you're doing drugs, I know you are. You're doing drugs. I know no, you are. No, not necessarily that. What I'm well, saying is like, drugs. well, like for example, you call your kid lazy constantly. Oh, okay. You're so lazy. You're so lazy. You yeah, never yeah. do anything around here. You're so lazy. At some point, that kid is going to integrate the belief that they're lazy and they're going to fucking live up to it, sure. right? If you're constantly looking at somebody through the negative and through the worst possible lens, that at some point, they're going to think that that's their reality and then they live it out. Number two, this one is very common, a cycle of resentment. Um, I, I think this is one of the, the biggest reasons why, why people cheat is because it's not, you know, it's not 
what people think. People think people cheat because they want to fuck other people. It's because of things like this. There's so much resentment that they're then that becomes drift and they find, you know, someone else who is attracted to them and they're, you know, at the, the right time at the right place, wrong time at the wrong place. I don't know. And then suddenly they've cheated. Seeking validation outside the marriage. I created a lot of excuses in my head at the time. I became convinced he, my husband, didn't pay attention to me. Our marriage was probably failing, that he didn't provide for me like I deserved. I felt like I deserved and that he hurt me so badly in the past that it was only fair that I seek out someone who would find me sexy and pay attention to. Well, it's fair that you find that, but then you have to end your marriage before finding that. Well, I would say also that it doesn't sound very much like, and I don't know, but it's the way that it's written. It doesn't sound like there was a lot of communication about what she actually was desiring and needing from her partner that wasn't providing it. So if she didn't communicate that and then she just went and found it somewhere else. Also, you're kind of proving your own theory to yourself. So if if my belief is that I I deserve this, but I I am not capable of finding it within my my love relationship or Actually, I would believe that she doesn't really believe she deserves it within her love marriage. She finds it somewhere else. I feel like in some ways she's just proving her own point to herself. Like I can't get it in my marriage. I got to get it somewhere else rather than like doing the hard work to attempt to tell this person I need this from you. I need to, you know. Right. I don't know if that made sense. So being driven to cheat by logic, meaning it's also a way to convince yourself that it's okay to cheat. Well, if mm-hmm. I'm not getting in here, then I, I, I should be able to get somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Okay, number four, the emotional cheater. This is very common. This is um, you, you're, you're not getting emotional needs met by your person, um, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, and so you are cheating outside, right? Personally, to answer the question truthfully, this person says, I've never physically cheated. Oh, wait, this isn't even what, I'm talk- what, what I thought it was. This is just emotional cheating. Yeah, what do you think it was? I thought it meant cheating because you're not getting your emotional. No, the needs emotional. Met. No, emotionally cheating. So yes. like falling for somebody or emotionally. You know, yeah, yeah. So what do you think? Do you think? Because um, the other question is: Is emotional cheating really cheating? Because you didn't have sex with someone, is it still cheating? What I think you think? anytime you're using somebody else to hide from problems that you're having in your own marriage, then yeah, it's all the same. I mean. Essentially, you're using this other person, whether it's emotionally or physically, to make you feel better or to essentially hide from the problems you're having in your own relationship at home. And so to me, I mean, that's that's all the same. What think, are you using it for? I think if you have a connection with someone, whether it's uh, emotional, physical, spiritual, a, a, any kind of like connection in that moment, that is not cheating. That's being aware that uh, there are tons of people in this world and you're going to connect to people, right? So it doesn't matter if it's a barista or someone you met on a plane. To me, that's not cheating. But your intention, keeping it, going. keeping it going, feeding it, getting the person's number, texting, establishing a relationship emotionally, then that is cheating for sure, right? Because um, some, some people are like, oh, wait, you laughed at someone's joke. Oh, oh you connected no. with that person. Hell that's no. It's like, no, that's not cheating. That's just being, being human. human. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be attracted to people. And, you know, by attracted, it doesn't mean that you want to jump someone's bones. It just means that you're going to connect to someone, whether it's through humor through common values, through Mm -hmm. food, through physical aesthetics. You're going to connect with people. That's okay. That's not cheating. Um, Another one, the online distraction. What is this? I've never heard a lot. I've never had a lot of confidence. So calling me stupid, freaking out about little stupid things and threatening divorce nearly every day, including the day after we were married, 
took its toll on me. First of all- So she found someone online to make uh, her feel better when she was in a, essentially an emotionally abusive relationship. Yeah. Um, you should never- Or actually, God, I misspoke and I am going to publicly apologize. It's actually the opposite. Um, the the woman was the emotional abuser. The man is the one that found somebody online. So that was totally my bad by just assuming. And that that shows you right there what my biases are. It also shows- the listener that um, um, we don't do any research before turning the microphone on. <laughs> well, or I just think it's important thing. to call out our biases. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have them, and that's a blind spot, apparently, that I need to pay more attention to because that was my assumption. Yeah, genders. Um, we should never threaten our relationship. Uh, people do this with uh, – see, the lisp is coming again. Mm-hmm. People do this with marriages. They threaten divorce. Oh, you know, like, all right, fuck it. We're going to get a divorce yeah. then. Oh, you don't this? And then we're going to – and uh, that's um, – it's not fair. It's actually – I think it's a form of abuse, mm-hmm. right? Okay. <laughs> I have to go relieve our – Vanessa, uh, speaking of drawing lines, Vanessa is drawing a line. She's leaving this episode. Um, for I'm, I'm leaving you with very capable – I was going to say hands, but mouth, I guess. You're speaking to them. You're telling them the other ones. Uh, my anxious attachment is acting up right now as she leaves <laughs> me alone to finish this. Um, but I think I could handle it. Okay. I think you got this. Another one. The dilemma of unmet needs. This person says, I'm thinking of doing it. Why? Because my wife just doesn't want intimacy anymore. And it's been 13 years without it. I was hoping that things would change, but I realized they won't. The rest of the relationship is good for us. But this one area. 13 years is a long time. And I think that it's a long time to work through this. So, you know, for me, it's like, did either, did both of them, not either, did both of them actually do some kind of work, inner work? Um, Have they gone to couples counseling? If it's just 13 years of hoping and then resentment building because you are not getting your uh, intimacy needs met, then yeah, then people are just allowing their relationship to crash, right? So my question is, in those 13 years, are both of you guys working through this? Because if you have been trying to work through this for 13 years, 13 years is a long time. Maybe it's not fixable, you know? Um, There are relationships where if you don't actively work on them for a period of time, like 13 years, that it's just not fixable, you know? Once feelings have changed, I, I call it secondary change, or it's called secondary change, where, where change is not reversible. Um, you know, once you start to see your partner as like a sibling, it, it may be too late. You, you, you can't suddenly uh, be, well, I don't know if in all cases, but it's really, really hard to suddenly be attracted to that person again. You know, and this is a generalization, but I would say more women than men, when they're done and it takes a long time, not all women, but I'm just, I'm, I'm saying this because of, I'm thinking about my clients and, and, and um, how many clients um, have stayed in things for a long time, but when they're done, they're done. More so than men who say they're done, but they still have more, <laughs> if that makes and again, generalization, right? But those are just my findings. Okay, next one is starting afresh. Um, this person says, before I did anything with her physically, I let my wife know I wanted out of the marriage. 
she'd known for months I was very unhappy and I begged her that things had to change. Otherwise, I couldn't do it anymore. It wasn't a case of me. It wasn't a case of a, um, meeting a girl and then dropped all of uh, this on my former wife. For six months prior, she knew how severe things were. After I told her I wanted out and was ending it, I then started seeing the new girl. I'm not proud of a lot of things I know. I'm not proud of a lot of things, and I, I know I'm not the best guy in the world for what I did. I am happy that I tried as hard as possible not to lie or lead anyone on. But you know what? Is, is that a form of lying? Because although you're saying that you're out, if you don't officially end it and then you um, move on to someone else, then you, you're cheating. You know, so if you want to end it, it's not like just saying, okay, I'm ending it, like really end it. You know, if you really want to end it, then end it. If you have come to the conclusion that this is not right for you and you're done, then you, you, you have to end it. You, you can't say, well, okay, you know what, I'm going to end it and, and kind of give empty threats, you know, and then like still live with a person, still do life with a person. And now you're allowing yourself to go love someone else. If you want to end it, you really have to end it. Okay, next one. A marriage that has trauma in it. My husband had serious intimacy and sexual problems, which made him very uncomfortable with any physical contact and even more uncomfortable with intimacy. It was usually bad in, physically, uh, in physical contact apart from intimacy was nearly non-existent and awkward when it did occur. We both came from very abusive childhoods. I became hypersexual while his abuse led him to have extreme shame and guilt around sex. You know what's really interesting um, is this, this, this whole, um, when you go through abuse that people can manifest that abuse into very different um, behaviors. Um, there are people who go through abuse in childhood, and and yes, especially if it's sexual abuse, a lot of a lot of people become hypersexual, and then, and that's kind of the common stereotype. Uh, but many people go the other way. Many people become um, extremely. They hide their sex. They shame it. They purposely. Uh, gain a lot of weight. They try to be invisible, you know. And so, this is a case where, yeah, it seems like one person um, became hypersexual while the other one went the other way, which obviously is a problem. But again, I wonder how much work they have done, not only on the relationship but themselves, you know. Trauma. Uh, I think. Well, the other topic of this is the lack of sexual com compatibility, uh, whether from trauma or not. Uh, and this is an extreme version of this. Um, can definitely take a toll. And you know, I think that yes, that has to be worked through, and 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 you can work work on that. It may never be solved. And if that is never solved, you have to ask yourself, what what else am I getting from this relationship that is of value to me? You know. Um, I know I have made the mistake of just focusing on sexual compatibility, and then suddenly that brightens, and that's um, it starts to become heavier than it should be. It starts to consume me. I start to I'm, I'm someone who gets obsessive about things, right? So instead of um, finding the beauty and value and you know all the great things about the relationship, 
I could fall into a ditch where I just obsess about the one thing. And so I would recommend pulling back and asking yourself, what are you getting from this relationship cumulatively as a whole, right? At the same time, don't ignore the problem or the sexual incompatibility, uh, but instead, God, I'm so embarrassed about the the way that I I speak now. Um, But instead, that is something that uh, both of you should be working on, knowing that there, there might not be a solution in the sense that it may not ever be what you want it to be on both sides. Anyway, thank you for listening. I hope you had um, a meaningful and life-learning 2023. And as we move into the new year, I hope you um, enter it with new beliefs about self. I hope you have uh, new definitions. And I hope you let go of anything that isn't honest to you anymore. Be well. Be well.